am Dr. Thomas Slavin, Senior Vice President of Medical Affairs for Myriad Oncology. Welcome to Inside the Genome. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Elizabeth King. She's an advanced practice provider with specialist training in genetics. She's currently the Executive Director of Genomics and Precision Medicine at City of Hope. City of Hope is an NCI-designated cancer center looking to use precision oncology on all of its cancer patients. So welcome, Elizabeth. We used to work together. It's great to have you on today. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy day to come chat with us a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, I thought, you know, we could start just first, just learning a little bit about your background. I mean, um, you know, you're an advanced practice provider. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we think of people that are delivering genetics cancer care, many providers think of uh, genetic counselors uh, or sometimes clinical geneticists. Uh, but you really kind of came out of a, you know, a different realm. You know, you came out of advanced practice provider, you know, the nursing pathways and, uh, you know, do this just as well as anyone. So uh, if you don't mind, we'll give our uh, audience a little bit of background just on how you came to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my bachelor's degree actually is in biology. I have a BS in biology and I specialized in genetics for that degree. And I started off at MD Anderson. So I worked in a research laboratory studying skin cancer prevention. Um, and we did some GI and some ovarian cancer and that sort of thing. But, you know, it was really focused on genetics. So I was, you know, in the lab, I was doing PCR, ultimately was, you know, sort of writing abstracts and presenting at conferences. And you know, spent some time there and realized that sitting at a lab bench by yourself all day is pretty boring. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, what else can I do with my life? And, you know, kind of long story short, I ended up going to nursing school, became an NP, and then started um, work at Texas Oncology, right? I had this sort of um, science background in genetics and in cancer and, and wanted to sort of keep utilizing that, but also be able to work with patients, right? And be able to sort of have conversations mm -hmm. with people all day and feel more connected kind of to what I was doing and um, happened to work with the director of the genetics program at Texas Oncology. So that was who I happened to be hired to work with um, was that physician and you know he and I were both obviously very excited about genetics and so I he sort of immediately sent me to the City of Hope course right the intensive course. It's a great um, course with great faculty. <laughs> Absolutely. That's true. That's true. Um, wink, wink, wink. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so I remember coming here to City of Hope during that course. And at the time I lived in Austin and I thought for the first time probably ever in my life, um, like this is a place I could move to. Um, you know, the weather's beautiful. There are these, you know, thought leaders in cancer genetics. You know, there's the mountains and the beaches, and this is the perfect place uh, in the world, right? <laughs> Was recruited ultimately to, um, to come to City of Hope. And so now, now my focus is, is really genetics. So I worked in a medical oncology practice um, that also offered genetics. And in that practice, the model there is that there are genetic counselors who train and support um, APPs to offer these services. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot to do on your own and it's not impossible, but it's, you know, it's a lot to do. And so that was a really nice way to sort of be trained. You know, I, I sort of joke that I was raised by genetic counselors, you know, and I, I think that that's why I, I feel that sort of how I provide care is similar um, 
to the way a genetic counselor would provide care, but I don't have the same background as a genetic counselor. And so it ends up being a really nice collaborative relationship. You know, I think there are things even now at City of Hope that our team comes to me for, um, you know, more kind of medical oncology or medication mm-hmm. um, sort of questions or surgery questions. Yeah, screening and things like that, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And then, you know, I go to them for more sort of technical genetics questions or genes that are, you know, syndromes that are more rare. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that relationship that kind of collaborative relationship works well. Yeah. And what, you know, just for the uh, listeners, you know, what is an advanced practice provider? I mean, can you give a little rundown of, of that for some of the people that might not know? Yeah, so advanced practice providers typically refer to nurse practitioners and physician assistants um, are kind of the the, the bucket that in, includes those two groups of people. In Texas, that also typically include CNSs, which are um, clinical nursing specialists. The, the licensing is different in California, so that's not typically included here. So it kind of depends on the state, but, but definitely NPs and NPAs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what kind of uh, licensure for genetics particularly can you do coming out of your pathway of an advanced practice practitioner? A sure. provider, sorry. Mm-hmm. So, so really an NP or a PA, they, you know, we learn about genetics in school. Like there are certain things that we are required to know that's on all of our testing. So, so mm-hmm. really sort of right out of school, an NP or a PA could potentially order genetic testing, right? Yeah, um, but it's not a lot. Yeah, I remember, I mean, I, I think I even, when I was at Case Western, I used to give some of the lectures, but it was pretty superficial, if I remember. It was kind of like Genetics 101 and Hereditary mm-hmm. Genetics 102. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, that is absolutely true. Um, but from a licensing standpoint, they can order genetic testing, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, that's part of scope of practice. You know, and I would almost say that's true for sort of any specialty, right? So, so coming out, I have a family nurse practitioner certification, and I came into oncology thinking I was going to know everything, right? Because I sort of understood the science of cancer and I understood how a lot of the genetics worked. And then it's like, oh, no, you have to learn all these drugs and also learn all the side effects and like the potential oncologic yeah. emergencies. And you have to think about like, it's like, oh, okay, I don't really actually know anything. So there's a lot to learn, right? So I think yeah. anytime you get into any specialty, like there's, there's more to learn. But so, you know, I think that a lot of NPs who have specialized in genetics, historically, there was a a credential that's called the American Nurses Credentialing Center um, has an advanced genetics nurse credential, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's something that I had. And so that requires continuing education, practice hours, and some sort of professional development activities, right? So things like precepting or presentations or, you know, serving on boards, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But to get that licensure, did you have to do a test in the beginning? Or There's or not that, to, that was no, portfolio okay. based. Oh, okay. Um, there's not tests for these. And I think that it's because I, you know, I don't know anything about prenatal genetics, mm-hmm. right? I don't know anything about general adult genetics. And so I think that they did not want to make it so broad yeah, um, in that cancer, sense. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you were doing prenatal genetics, you could submit your sort of portfolio mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. I will say that that certification was fairly hard to get. So they did not get a lot, a lot of applications. Um, so it went away. So I can still renew it, but people can't get certified um, yeah. through that or that body anymore um, because they just sort of financially didn't make sense, right, to keep it up because they weren't getting mm-hmm. enough applications. So two other groups 
um, created their own credentials. So um, the first one is ISONGS, that's the International Society of Nurses and Genetics, and they have an advanced clinical genomics nurse certification, so that's ACGN, um, and that's a similar process with professional development, CE, and practice hours. It ends up being the requirements are less stringent, though, so mm -hmm. I, I think that they're hopeful that more people will apply for that. problem with that one is that it is only for nursing, yeah. right? So PAs do not qualify. Oh, okay. Um, physicians do not qualify, right? That's, that's only for yeah. nurse practitioners. And so more recently, um, the National Consortium of Breast Centers um, created their own genetic certification. And this one's actually focused on cancer genetics and it does require a test. Um, so it's mm -hmm. the Cancer Genetics Risk Assessment Certification. It's CGRA. So it's practice hours, continuing education, and there is an exam um, that's required. Mm -hmm. So I'll say for both of those certifications, sort of unclear how insurance is going to handle those. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is, is an insurance company going to see those certifications and say, okay, you have, you know, the same certifications as somebody who's a geneticist or a genetic counselor, um, because that's typically how these other, this sort of previous certification was viewed. Um, yeah. So it's kind of unclear still if, if these will be accepted, um, because of course some insurance companies do require more certification in order to order these genetic tests. Yeah. And I guess that's an important distinction. I mean, there's, there's kind of like two major things. I mean, one is to, you know, what do you need for competency to be able to be seeing patients for, you know, really particularly these, you know, are for hereditary cancer genetics, um, you know, but sure. there is a little bit of overlap, obviously, with tumor uh, sequencing and testing. You know, not only is it what, you know, the competency there, but it's also then what do insurers want ultimately? And, and you know, what would be deemed as an appropriate provider to be ordering this type of complex and most of the time very expensive testing on patients. Right, right, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you're part of uh, the development of uh, at least ISONG, right? I was not part of ISONG. I was one of the test writers for the NCBC test, okay. um, but I was not part of, part of ISONG. Okay. But you are, I, I do feel, you know, my impression has always been you are an absolute leader nationally in uh, this space and, you know, bringing this to uh, other people and just being, you know, really one of the, the innovators in this space. And, you know, even what you're talking about at the beginning of having a, you know, one of the first in the nation to have uh, a licensure that uh, doesn't even exist anymore. It's impressive. So yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So you got to really see the whole field. So where, where do you think uh, this is all going for licensure? Do you think, uh, you know, these two are going to be the big ones going forward now? I don't know. I think it's sort of interesting to see, you know, I don't see anybody else stepping up to do it. Yeah. You know, and I think it's hard, you know, I, I think particularly the NCBC, certification because there are, I mean, there are physicians who can't order genetic tests, right? There yeah. are primary care doctors in South Dakota who don't have a geneticist to refer to, right? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that just means these patients aren't getting care. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I think that personally, I think the more we can sort of open it up and I think still provide quality care and make sure that these folks yeah. know what they're doing, I think the better. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, because for uh, those on the line, I mean, um, you know, listening, uh, you know, even medical doctors don't get a ton of genetics training. I used to be the discipline director for the John A. Byrne School of Medicine for the genetics uh, curriculum. And uh, I think off the top of my head, we would do maybe 13 or so, you know, one hour lectures, but it wasn't a ton and you have to cover a lot. I mean, that's everything from 
childhood uh, genetics like trisomy 21, you know, to uh, prenatal genetics, to adult genetics, like things like connective tissue disorders and Marfan syndrome and metabolic genetics like maple syrup, urine disease, and all these other type of uh, metabolic conditions that are on newborn screening and then cancer genetics. So it's hard to come out of, yeah, I mean, you know, either of these pathways, you know, whether it be nursing or medicine to a degree that you can go uh, run out and, um, you know, really understand all the ramifications of genetic testing. That being said, I think we're tuning up our national, you know, workforce a bit better. I think people now are coming out realizing they need to invest some significant time in learning genetics um, because it's just becoming such an integral part of particularly cancer care for cancer providers. So I'm, I'm hopeful for the future as we go forward. And, uh, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit about the difference between you as an advanced practice provider and a genetic counselor. I mean, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? You know, what, what is really that scope of practice? Where do you maybe see like the lines that are drawn? Yeah. So, you know, genetic counselors, I think historically have their role as counseling, Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's been their sort of profession was designed around counseling, sort of in coordination with a physician. And so, you know, again, sort of state by state, the laws differ somewhat, and there is some genetic testing ordered. But, you know, they are not, um, it's not in their scope to give medical management recommendations, right? So um, if somebody has a BRCA mutation, a genetic counselor cannot say to them, I recommend that you have a BSO, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like, yeah, like bilateral subpingo yeah. correctomy, just for those on the, the line listening, which is, uh, you know, taking out ovaries to reduce risk for ovarian cancer. But, you know, I think from a, in a nurse practitioner scope, right, or a PA scope, um, that is potentially part of their scope of practice. And so, you know, in addition to being able to make medical management recommendations, NPs and PAs can also do physical exams. And so, for example, if somebody undergoes genetic testing and has a BRCA mutation, I can say to them, I would recommend that you have a BSO. I can talk to them about a mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can also bring them back and, and initiate a high-risk screening clinic, right? So yeah, I can you can even to order a mammogram. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So I can do, you know, breast exams. I can order mammograms. Mm-hmm. I can order MRIs. You know, I can make sort of all of those recommendations. Mm-hmm. And I would say in most practices and in most states, that's done in collaboration with the physician. You know, I, don't, I think that most mm-hmm states NPs don't practice alone, I think, particularly in sort of medical oncology mm-hmm. spaces. Yeah, or but, chemo prevention. I mean, yeah, you could mm-hmm, order, absolutely. you know, tamoxifen, yep. reduction for breast cancer. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think on that same thinking about scope of practice, you know, also ordering somatic testing, right? So, you know, I, I think, again, sort of working in a medical oncology practice, I ordered somebody had progressive disease or whatever the case, right? I can order a biopsy, I can order somatic testing mm-hmm. on that on that cancer. And that's not typically a space where genetic counselors have gone. And not to say that they can't, I don't know that that's impossible to think about them ordering, but it would be definitely sort of with a physician. It would sort of be closely mm-hmm. aligned with a physician or with a specific protocol, um, which is would not necessarily be required for an NP or a PA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do think that adding genetics to an NP or a PA practice, I think has 
um, the potential to be really rewarding, right? Because mm-hmm. it's changing all the time, because it's new, um, and, and because patients are interested in this. And it's really, you know, we can really help people with this. And I think that there's yeah. a lot of focus, um, particularly in nursing, on preventative medicine, right? Um, we know that it makes a lot more sense to prevent disease than it does to try to fix it on the back end. Um, and I think that's always been a focus of nursing. Yeah, and, that's and, true. And that's that's what cancer genetics is, right? You know, can we use this information um, to prevent cancer in mm-hmm. our patients, right? Yeah. Um, and, and who wouldn't want to do that? Right. And in your current role, you know, you're also doing uh, some business training. Uh, you could maybe elaborate on that a little bit, but you, you know, you're now uh, the executive director of genomics and precision medicine at City of Hope. You know, I was just wondering if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about the, the overall mission of the precision oncology program there. Yeah, so one of the kind of big initiatives at City of Hope right now is a push for all patients to undergo both somatic and germline testing. So, you know, there's a couple organizations who have done this. Um, I think we're hopeful to do it very well. You know, I think there's a couple reasons for that, right? I mean, I think this is, um, you know, individually, we can prevent cancers, other cancers, right? And some of these Mm -hmm. patients, we can provide, make sure that they're on the best drugs for their cancer we can hope to prevent cancer in their family members, right? Um, But I think that, you know, to me, when I think about kind of the more exciting pieces of this is, you know, if we are able to do testing on on that large of a scale, um, I think we're going to see things that we didn't know were there, right? We're going to find drugs that associated with cancers that we didn't know that they would be effective. And I think it really has the potential to really impact cancer care kind of across the world, you know, I think in a really positive way. And so, you know, I think City of Hope's doing doing really good work. And I think it's an exciting time to be in this field. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I mean, uh, I hope the listeners learned a little bit about, uh, you know, advanced practice providers, practicing in genetics and the background and the training, kind of the the difference between someone in, in that boat or maybe a physician and uh, how it relates to what a genetic counselor does. And uh, yeah, just the exciting future of precision medicine in general. So thank you so much for coming on today. I really, really appreciate it. And hope all the listeners, if they like this, they uh, keep listening uh, to uh, our past and future podcasts. So thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Dr. Slavin. Yeah. Thanks.